This B-Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. Want to bring IXL to your school? Learn more at IXL.com B-E. That's IXL.com B-E. We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, my flex learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E. Welcome to the Cybertraps podcast. I'm Jethro Jones coming to you from Washington, host of the podcast Transformative Principle and author of the book School X, How to Redesign Your School for the People Right in Front of You. I'm a former principal at all levels of K-12 education. Greetings, everyone. I'm Frederick Lane, an author, attorney, and educational consultant based in New York. I'm the author of 10 books, including most recently, Cybertraps for Educators 2.0, Raising Cyberethical Kids, and cyber traps for expecting moms and dads. Jethro and I have teamed up to bring timely, entertaining, and useful information to teachers, parents, and others about the risks arising from the use and misuse of digital devices. Over the coming weeks and months, we'll be talking to some of the world's leading experts from the fields of education, parenting, sociology, cyber safety, and today, online harassment. Join us as we look at what it takes to better navigate our increasingly high-tech world. Buoyancy Digital is proud to be the inaugural mission partner for the Cybertraps podcast. A digital advertising consultancy with an ethos, Buoyancy was founded by Scott Rabinowitz, who has been in digital media since 1997 and has overseen $300 million in youth safety compliant ad buys across all digital platforms. For IAB, Google, and being accredited brand and audience safe sales solutions, 
media buying and organizational training for media publishers, please reach out to Scott at Buoyancy Digital at buoyancydigital.com or at Scott R Media on LinkedIn. Hey there, Jethro. Hey, Fred. It's going to be a good day today. Yeah, we've got ourselves a terrific guest who has agreed to come on for a short while. Unfortunately, this will be a little bit of a quicker interview than we sometimes do, but we are really thankful to attorney Carrie Goldberg for carving out some of her busy schedule to talk with us. Uh, attorney Goldberg is a graduate of Vassar College and Brooklyn Law School. She recently, or actually not so recently, <laughs> founded uh, Carrie Goldberg Law, which is a Brooklyn-based law firm that specializes in domestic violence cases, uh, revenge porn, or electronic sexual assault, as we've described it on the show. Uh, shows in uh, uh, cases involving uh, cyberbullying, cyber harassment, stalking, basically a lot of the topics that we discuss on this show. And as I said in my uh, email newsletter this morning, her work is really on the cutting edge of technology and law. Most recently, and we'll hopefully get into this, uh, she was involved as the attorney for former Representative Katie Hill, who was suing the Daily Mail and a couple of other publications for the use of private photos that she did not consent to have published. And um, unfortunately for Representative Hill, there was a ruling against her in the California courts. And that's going to be our first topic with Attorney Goldberg. All right, welcome to the Cybertraps podcast, Carrie. We are so excited to talk with you today. Thank you. Nice well, to be here. We, we really know how busy you are, and it is a real honor to have you talking to us. So we're going to plunge right in. We know that you have a hard stop. Um, you've been in the news lately, and mm -hmm. so I was hoping you could talk to us a little bit about uh, Representative Katie Hill's lawsuit against the Daily Mail. What were the core issues in that case, and what did the court rule? Sure. Well, the case is actually still ongoing, despite the fact that um, three of the five uh, defendants are, are, um, were dismissed by the, by the trial court. Um, but basically it's, it's um, a litigation primarily using California's civil remedy for um, non-consensual distribution of intimate images, um, which was passed, this version of it, I think in, in 2018. And um, so we're, we're suing, um, uh, Ms. Hill's um, ex-husband, as well as um, some of the, the uh, quote-unquote journalists and publications that were instrumental in, um, in basically making the reach of these um, intimate images of Katie go from just a couple people to millions and spreading it on a global um, on a global path. And um, what we're we've been up against is California's anti-slap law, which um, I think is, you know, as far as we can see the first time where a non-consensual pornography um, civil remedy has, has um, come up against uh, an anti-slap law, which is typically used in, in defamation cases against publications. Um, what is really interesting and different about um, the way that it's used in this case is that you know, in, in traditional publication 
cases, there's been a publication and everyone, the plaintiffs and the defendants are on an equal ground when it comes to the facts of the case. But we know from um, revenge porn, and I've been doing this for, for seven years dealing with victims of revenge porn, is that a lot of the dissemination and the distribution is, is under wraps. And, and so the plaintiff will know in these cases that yes, like Katie, my, my nude pictures have been seen by millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of people, but I don't actually know the, the mechanisms that resulted in, in the publication. So I know that they had to have been shared without my consent, which is what the, the um, gravamen of, of this tort is, is that it's, it's not about non-consensual publication, it's about non-consensual sharing. So we're suing people for the sharing. Um, but the, the issue is that an, the anti-slap law um, is a, um, you know, basically throws, the, throws cases out of court if, if the judge feels that they're, um, if, if the lawsuit is based on um, a First Amendment protected speech sort of situation. The judge found that to be true in, in two of the, uh, with two of the defendants so far, we have a third defendant that we're, we have a hearing about that issue later this week. Um, and that and so, was with that was with reference to the um, newspapers or the media outlets that had reproduced the images, correct? Right. So these were with um, Salem Media, which was uh, the owner of Red State, uh, which was one of the initial um, publishers. Uh, Jennifer Van Lahr, who was um, considers herself a journalist, that published both under the byline of of uh, Red State as well as under the byline of Daily Mail, and then the third one is Daily Mail. So they're all public publishers, but you know we were very careful to say we're not suing you for the actual publication, but for the sharing and the sharing and the sh sharing that was non-consensual that led to the to the publication. But the judge didn't buy it. Um, you know, in some in in cases where there's not a lot or any. Um, uh, case law, and this was really a case of first impression, um, you know, judges sometimes rule, you know, in, in the safest way, no judge wants to be um, considered, you know, a, an enemy of, of free speech. And nor, nor do we, you know, we weren't suing about speech. Um, we were suing about the non-consensual dissemination of naked videos, which we don't feel is speech. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good distinction. And does the fact that uh, Representative Katie Hill was a member of Congress at this time, does that play into whether or not it's newsworthy and should be should be protected and how how much? I mean, a similar thing is going on with Hunter Biden right now and and the Daily Mail as well, where they're sharing many images of from his laptop and things like that. So how does, how does that public persona play into that also? So um, the California revenge porn um, law has an exception. So it basically says, you know, non-consensual dissemination um, is, you can sue under it, um, but it's um, an affirmative defense to say that the dissemination was based on something that was, that was a quote unquote in the public interest. Um, and so with, with the anti-slap, it's a two-part test that a defendant has to, to, to prove. First of all, they have to say that um, the 
that the speech is protected speech by the, the state or the, the federal constitution. And if they get past that prong, then they have to show, the defendant has to show that they would have a likelihood of prevailing um, in, in the case and that the, the plaintiff would, would lose. And so the judge found that, um, that the defendant had a likelihood of prevailing because, um, because they would have been able to meet the affirmative defense that dissemination was in the public interest. So that's kind of how it, how it played out. Now, there wasn't, this wasn't a jury ruling. This wasn't um, you know, what we typically see in the adversarial process. This was a judge saying, yeah, you know, I have the feeling that, um, that, you, that probably if this were to go all the way down to litigation, um, that probably um, these, these, these defendants would, would have been able to, to meet their, their, their burden. So it, it's, it's harsh as, as somebody who um, represents plaintiffs primarily, it's harsh because I don't want a judge to be deciding things. I want, I want a jury to, and I want to be able to put out the, the case. And, um, and I mean, don't get me wrong. I, um, I use anti-slap. I have a lot of cases where I'm defending people, defending people who've, who've accused, you know, like me too, um, people who've, who've accused um, people of, of sexual assault and then been sued for defamation. I, I, my clients are also beneficiaries of anti-slap. I even have a, an amicus um, in the Ninth Circuit right now um, supporting um, Lisa Bloom, who, who was, was sued um, for something that she said mm -hmm. in a press release by, by Steve Wynn. And uh, she put forth an anti-slap defense that, that got dismissed and I think it was the wrong decision. So I like see, I see <laughs> both sides, I litigate both sides, but I think like if we're really gonna weigh the harms, it's really, you know, I'd rather, um, I, I think that the anti-slap just, it throws cases out of court that are, you know, that people don't have the the ability, you know, the, the right to prove. And I think that that's, that's um, totally, against our, our legal system. And then it also has the, the additional um, problem of fee shifting. So it's punitive. So um, anti-slap um, allows for defendants to then get back all their legal costs. So if you do a, a case like, like Katie did, which was, you know, she had real harms, you know, this wasn't like a frivolous lawsuit that was based on, you know, somebody calling you a bitch on Twitter. You know, this was like, her her intimate images were globally <laughs> um, shared. She right. resigned from her job. She her result Google results are, are like she lost you know something important to her. She lost sexual privacy and some autonomy and and it was you know this is not a frivolous lawsuit even though it got dismissed. I mean there was. You, it's undeniable that that there was a harm, you know, and, and that can be true even if, if um, you know, something is considered by a judge to be in the public interest or, or newsworthy. Um, well, Carrie, if I may, I, I think that it's going to be interesting to see where this goes, because I think your focus on the concept of sharing was really foresighted. And I do want to give a shout out to your 2019 book, Nobody's Victim Fighting Harassment Online or Off. We'll put a link in the show notes for people to, to check it out. 
But one of the things, because I know we only have a little bit of time left that, that comes up in that book and is near and dear to your heart is of course section 230, which is in the background to some degree of Representative Hill's case. So I'd love to have you just do a like two sentence description of what section 230 is and what the problems are associated with it. <laughs> my, my pleasure. I don't think I've ever had to do it in like, <laughs> with this time constraint. But basically um, what everyone needs to know is that section 230 is a law that went into effect um, in a completely different era back in 1996, which uh, basically says that platforms should not be held liable for um, stuff that users do. So it's, it's why um, Facebook has never been sued for fake news or, or um, websites for you know, organizing people to, to um, incite riots or, um, it's, and you know, originally it was, is, it was to prevent people who, to people from suing platforms, you know, if they were defamed, then the knee-jerk reaction was, well, I'm gonna also sue the platform because they're the ones with, with the deep pockets. Um, so it makes sense in those cases because it's not as though um, platforms, even those, you know, like CompuServe and Prodigy back, back at the time could or wanted to, you know, go through all the, the postings and, and, and pre-approve them. Um, the problem is that the internet has changed. The products have gotten way more sophisticated um, over the intervening years. And basically this, this um, law has been interpreted so extravagantly that basically there's no way to ever hold liable um, a platform. So that came to pass um, in my case against Grindr where my client was being impersonated on, on the dating app and over 1200 men came um, to his job and to his workplace directed there you know, through the geolocating technology that his ex-boyfriend was using. And we tried to um, get injunction against Grindr requiring that they exclude and ban that user. They told us they didn't have the ability to do that. It then became a big product liability case where we're like, listen, if you don't have the technology to um, address such a foreseeable problem, you know, you have a dating app that facilitates in-person um, uh, meetings and, and like you didn't consider that sometimes it would be a you know, maliciously used by, by rapists and predators and stuff, then you've designed a dangerous product. And, um, and it, we're not suing you for anything that a user said or did. We're suing you for having a dangerous product that harmed my client. I thought your chapter on the Grinder case was really well done. It's an Thank amazing you. story. And Thank God, you. I mean, I, I mean Fred, and, and Jethro, I'm having PTSD, you know, right now with, with, the Katie Hill case because it feels a lot like gr the Grinder case did a couple years ago, where it's like no, but like this thing that we're saying really makes sense. It doesn't make sense to apply anti-slap to to a tort that involves sharing. It feels like like the the you know where judges like I don't care if this is like I don't I don't like I don't care like I don't understand what you're trying to say. Um, which it's my job to as a lawyer to make make judges understand. Um, and so it, but you know, it's like, it's this, this idea of, of um, you know, having cases, you know, so many of our cases are unusual and, and are dealing with technology that judges haven't necessarily seen before. And so there's sometimes 
you know, mismatches and ill fits between what we're suing under or what we're up against. Um, and, and, but that's so, also, yeah, a, that's also, a leg- I'm sorry, Carrie, that's also a legislature problem in that the laws don't right. keep up with the kinds of issues that you're presenting. Yeah, but you know, I, um, I think it's a little bit my Pollyanna thing, but like, I feel like the arguments could go in our direction if like the, the, with the section 230 and the, the products liability argument, there wasn't anything saying that it couldn't apply. <laughs> right. Fair point. Yeah. Like, like there's, there wasn't any, like the, the case law, I mean, it, was, it had never been proposed before to, to hold a platform liable for products liability. So there was no case law that's saying, saying you can't do that. And the judge just, we made the case law that says you can't. <laughs> <At> least- <laughs> so I, one final question, Carrie, I know that we're at time here. So final question for me is a lot of these things, you are facing losses before you even get to the point where a jury can hear it, for example, that I think is, is really challenging to keep fighting and keep, keep going. How do you keep yourself motivated to continue the fight when it seems like you could have a huge number of losses and the, the, the justice could take 10, 20 years to finally get back to that person? Um, what, how, do you, how do you personally keep yourself motivated to be doing the right thing continually? It's hard. <laughs> I mean, one thing that, um, it's hard to, it's hard to lose. It's a lot of people online, you know, say if you lose as a lawyer, they, they like to pile on and say, it's because you're a bad lawyer. Um, it's, it's demoralizing. It's demoralizing for the staff. It, it's painful for the clients. Um, but like, I don't know, like there's, it's one thing to lose but kind of know you're right and that's I guess what it's like it's like okay the law and the judge is saying I'm wrong but they're also apologizing in their decisions for saying that so it's like there's the knowledge that that there's like an incongruence between like what's right and wrong versus like between the the natural law and and versus what what the decision is and so um, you know, it's helped me um, in, in, in like this anti-slap versus revenge porn thing to be um, uh, channeling some of the lessons I learned from Grindr. Because at the time, I got the same thing where you're a bad lawyer, you're a stupid lawyer, this, 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 um, uh, this strategy was doomed from the start. But then over the following two years, there's been... A real acceptance of that strategy is like something that was good, and, and Clarence Thomas, of all people, even even referenced it in a, um, a decision like for malware bytes, where he denied um, search for that case, but said we need a Section 230 case because these interpretations have gone so far that they're even excluding these companies from liability for their own products. Check out this case, Herrick v. Grinder, and so it's like okay, we're like. So it's like just having like hope and stuff. Okay, I have to go to this mediation because it's actually one case that we we got through the like motion for summary judgment, all these motions dismissed, and we're actually going to trial if we don't settle today. So, and it's also like a a novel 
thing, but we actually, it's, a, it's like, we actually won all, all the stages instead of lost all, of, well, we lost a bunch of the stages, but then we kept doing motions to rehear and, <laughs> and stuff. And, oh my God, being a lawyer, geez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I much prefer writing, I have to say, Carrie. So. <laughs> oh my God. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast with us today. It's really been fascinating. And I hope as things go forward, you'll join us again sometime when you have a yeah, little more. Yeah, I will. I will. Thank you so much yeah. for having me. Appreciate thank it. you, Carrie. Okay, take Pleasure care, to meet Carrie. you. Bye-bye. Okay, that was awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Carrie, for being here. We appreciate it. That's a great, great uh, episode. And we'll have to expand on that at some point, Jethro. Yeah, no but- kidding. What that does is that wraps up this shortened episode of the Cybertraps podcast. In the coming weeks, we will continue our coverage of emerging trends in a variety of areas, including digital misconduct, cyber safety, cybersecurity, privacy, and the challenges of high-tech parenting. Along the way, we'll talk to our growing collection of international experts who are helping us to understand the risks and the rewards of digital technology. You can find the Cybertraps podcast on all your favorite podcast apps. We hope that you'll share the show with your friends and colleagues and reach out to us if you have questions or topic suggestions. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, I'm at Jethro Jones. Fred is at Cybertraps and you can follow Carrie at C.A. Goldberg Law. If you're still listening, you must have loved this show. If so, please leave us a five-star rating and review and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you on our uh, podcast on Thursday where we talk with Adam Stone. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. Do you want to save time on prep work, increase student achievement for all of your students, reliably meet tier one standards, you can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com B to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve these goals. That's IXL.com B-E.